and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi, before we get started I just wanted to let you know that after the recording of this podcast Tara and I decided to split it into two parts. So you might notice that in our discussions we don't mention that there's two parts to this podcast because while we were recording we didn't know. So it's a post-edit decision as it was far too long. So part one is the one you're listening to now and then we'll release part two next week. So thanks for joining us and now on to the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about uncluttered kids. Uh, First we've got a few things that we want to chat about. We've had quite a big week, haven't we, Tara? Yes, we have. It's been mammoth. We have launched, today we're recording an episode that you won't listen to for another week, but today is actually the day that we've launched the podcast and so uh, we've been announcing it and getting all excited and um, we're actually really, well, we shouldn't say surprised, but we're really delighted that we met our deadline, (laughs) aren't we? Yeah, there was a few uh, weeks slash months there where even releasing at, at all this year seemed completely impossible. So yeah, so we did it. So yeah, we're, we're congratulating ourselves on that. And we hope that so far you've liked the episodes. We have noticed that we do seem to be getting a little bit better as we go along and, and we're moving a little bit away from stiff and getting a little bit more relaxed. So hopefully as listeners, you'll notice the change as well and you'll appreciate it we're quite aware that sometimes we sound a little bit nervous and that's that's fine we know that it'll get a little bit better and we'll start to chill out a little bit and and be a little bit more like ourselves yeah so you'll just have to bear with us and hopefully then in another 100 episodes time you you can go back and listen to the first one again and think how stiff we were yeah we just mellow yeah hopefully we'll be a lot more mellow all right, so let's get started. We, we're basically talking about how to raise uncluttered kids and I guess there's lots of aspects to that. But overall, I think it would be great if our kids could grow up with a healthy relationship with their belongings. Yeah, and I don't think it's ever too early to start, not just putting in some practices for how to teach kids to let go of their items but also modeling for kids your relationship with clutter because and your relationships with your belongings because that's where kids learn so much you know just from watching their parents and watching people Mm. around them so if you can show that you have a really healthy relationship with your stuff or on the way to doing that then that will really rub off on them and that will be their new norm the other thing I'd say is it's not too late to start either if you've got you know 10-year-olds or early teens, you know what, now is better than never. So you can start there too if you need yeah. to. Yeah, that's right. And I do work with some people who, who are sort of getting to the teen years before they realise that, that we've, they've got a bit of a problem there. Uh, and it isn't too, too early to start. And I have sat across the table from a few poor teenagers who are mortified at these new boundaries, but they do get the hang of it and uh, they do get used to it after a while. Uh, Any time is a great time to start if you've found that there's some uh, unhelpful things happening. So... Beck, let's narrow this down a bit. What are we going to look at mainly today when we're talking about kids and clutter? Where are our main topics? What do we want to... Well, stuff, the stuff that they collect, their relationship with stuff uh, and toys 
And I think also why, you know, there's, there's a lot of research out there that talks about children and, and toys and volumes of toys and whether or not it's helpful and unhelpful. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Should we start with why, why we even need to think about decluttering kids? I don't remember this being an issue when I was a kid. So why, why is it an issue now? Why do you think it's an issue now? I think it's just, it's just an overall culture issue. So there's a lot more of an issue now with people being overwhelmed with the volume of their possessions and the lack of time that they have. Um, so it's a very much a generational thing, you know, and in our generation, we didn't do as many activities and we didn't have as much stuff. I mean, obviously kids that grew up in the eighties were and seventies and eighties were starting to accumulate more and more stuff, uh, which is, you know, the, when we grew up and, but it's sort of gotten progressively worse and we're now in a culture of no time and a a relatively high level of disposable income and what we find that we're doing is some some parents have said to me that they have bought their kids lots of stuff because they feel guilty that they don't have time to spend with them others have said they buy their kids lots of stuff because they're too busy to play with them so their kids need lots of things to entertain themselves Others don't know why they buy their kids lots of stuff. Others will blame advertising for why they buy their kids lots of stuff, which, you know, is fair. There's a a whole big area of research around the power of nagging and uh, advertisers know very well how well it works on us poor parents. So there's been a big culture shift and I think it's culminating right now in, uh, um, you know, quite a few issues with families feeling, you know, completely overwhelmed. Yeah, I think talking about a culture shift, one thing in even just, you know, since we were kids, so not that long, we're not that old, but, um, but <laughs> I don't remember. That, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I will. I will keep telling myself that every day. Well, I, I can't remember as a kid, and maybe this is because I grew up in a country town, but we didn't consume as a sport. Like these days, consu- people consuming is a, that's an activity to do. So, I've worked with families and I've got friends as well that, you know, they've got a Saturday afternoon free. So they go to the mall, they go to the shopping mm. centre and and shopping centres now are designed to be places of entertainment for the family. It's not just shoe shops and yeah. clothes shops. You know, now there's food outlets, there's the little playgrounds inside the shopping centre. There's, you know, there's so much attached to it that mm. people will go and shop for something to do. That's a way to entertain themselves and come home with a whole stack of stuff they didn't need. And because the kids are there, the kids will want stuff and you'll buy them things. And it's become it's become a sport in itself, yeah. just consuming. And I think even when I was a kid, we were, you know, mum would write a list. I'd be like, I need new netball shoes or, you know, my brother needs new cricket pads or whatever. And there'd be a list and we'd drive to the city and we'd – buy what we needed and we'd stop at Pizza Hut or wherever on the way home and then we would drive home and that was it. We bought what was on the list. We didn't just wander and eat and drink and play. Yeah. Um, it's, it has changed a, a fair amount and there are, there are still many families that do, you know, exactly what you used to do, uh, but there are a lot that use it as a bonding exercise as well. Um, a lot of people, it, shopping is a, a way to spend quality time with somebody else 
And so it starts to then be equated with love and comfort as well, uh, which, you know, is fine. Everything's fine until it becomes a problem. And I guess that sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not. And for some people, they can manage it and it doesn't become unhelpful. And for others, it does become unhelpful. I'm not into the whole love language thing, but I get that for some people, this whole buying toys for their children or buying stuff for their children is their way to say, Mm. I love you. Yeah, And maybe it's just because of an absence of not knowing how else they can express that feeling, that that's a really easy transactional way to say to your child, I value you or I love you, have this. Have this, yeah. And, and it's, it, it's, it really is. And we, this, the whole culture of gift giving has contributed to that as well. So um, we just, it's one of the ways that we, as a culture, we do show our love and appreciation for someone is we give them a gift. And there isn't, again, there isn't anything inherently wrong with that, but it can become unhelpful when it happens on a really high frequency. And there's, there's, been, there's been some research around toys that has been done in Europe. Now, we'll put in the show notes a couple of links to these articles, but basically there was this study done in Germany and I think it was in the 70s where they took away a whole lot of toys from kids' classrooms. And I think one of the studies, the kids were about four, I think, and they took all the toys away for a prescribed amount of time. And they sort of tested the kids before and after the experiment and they found that the kids actually got along better, they developed better without the toys than with all of the toys. And for the first day or two, they were like wandering around aimlessly because they didn't know what to do with themselves. But after a while, their imagination kicked in and they started doing all sorts of stuff. They were outside, they were digging, they were, I think the only toys, the only things they had to play with were blankets and tables and chairs and stuff. So they were making sailboats with the chairs and they were just using their imagination to, to create all of these scenarios. And there is a lot to be said for children using their imagination and unstructured play as far as development goes. There's been a lot of sound research on the benefits of that. And when they have toys, they're not necessarily using their imagination so much, especially if they have toys that do the thinking for them. Yeah, well, kids kids these days, they play with a fire truck. They don't have to make their wheel, wheel noise, do they? Because you press the button and it does that and it lights up and it rolls along by itself. They can yeah. sit back in it and just watch itself. it. Yeah. 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 And a fire truck that does all of its own things isn't interesting for very long. Whereas, you know, a truck that you've made yourself you can then turn that into a hundred other different things and uh, the fire truck can go on all sorts of different activities and all sorts of different expeditions and stuff like that. So there's this stat that from the, the is it the Daily Telegraph? Time? Yeah, Telegraph? Pretty, yeah pretty, British paper. Yeah, the average kid has 238 toys but plays with just 12. And that's a really telling stat. It is. And it's it's kind of... It's not surprising given the age of consumerism that we're in, that kids have that many toys, but it does surprise me how few they play with. But when I think back to my kids, they were definitely the favourites and my girls were definitely whatever was in front of them was what got played with. Yeah. So if, we, if I packed things around, uh, packed things away, those out of sight, out of mind type things, and I always found I'd 
you know, pull stuff out of the cupboard that hadn't been played with for, you know, a couple of months, put them in a box by the front door and then they were the favourite toys for the next week because they were out and the kids could see them. A lot of parents struggle with that because they try to do this declutter and they go, oh, well, they haven't played with it for ages, I can get rid of it. And then, of course, the kids do play with it so then they second-guess themselves and then they keep it and then nothing gets decluttered. Yeah, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with what is in line of sight and we talk about as adults decision fatigue, mm. but mm-hmm. you think kids sit down, they've got time and they look around them and there's, you know, 238 shiny toys staring at them. No wonder they don't know what to play with either. Yeah. And it's funny, you take like the that German experiment you were talking about, you take a few or a lot of things away and leave them with a handful they'll use their imagination and come up with something. Yeah, yeah. And they'll play for hours. I, I read a blog post of a woman who um, took away all the toys pretty much and she left a few. And she said for the first time ever, they played independently for about two hours straight because they had space in their playroom to actually play and they didn't have to keep jumping from thing to thing. They they just sort of rolled with what they had and it just sort of grew into this game, um, all these activities that, that just lasted for ages. And and I remember decluttering a, a toy room for a client once and she she called me the next day in tears and um, she said that she had three kids, I think, and uh, she had three kids and the youngest was a toddler and the other two were at school. And she said to me, she rang me and she said, yesterday for the first time in my daughter's life I sat down and just played with her I just played with her that's all I did I didn't have to tidy up I didn't I wasn't feeling overwhelmed by all of the stuff I just sat and I played with her for a few hours you know and that was just you know it was wonderful to hear yeah that's life-changing yeah and life-changing for the child as well yeah exactly and there's again a lot of research around you know what children actually need and if you think about if you think about a, a baby like you know so what does a baby do to tell you that it loves you um they will cuddle you yeah snuggle into you yeah and then toddlers what do toddlers do oh yeah they'll give you a hug they'll give you a kiss yeah hugs, kisses. They'll, maybe they'll offer you their food sometimes which is really really delightful not mm-hmm. um when it's all soggy uh, and when they get a little bit older, you know, so when they're three or four, how do they show you that they love you? Good question. My kids would ask me to get down and play with them. Yes. And sometimes they'll drag you off and say, watch me, watch me, look at this. Yeah. And they will tell you that they love you. It's only after we start giving them gifts because we love them that they start to equate stuff with love, that they start to feel like, they need stuff in order to be loved. And it's when they're really little, what they actually need is us. And their favourite plaything is always whatever adult is the closest to them at the time. And they want a person there. They want that interaction. And so later on when we're sort of putting all of these toys in front of them, they actually don't need the toys as much as they need us. And I think that we can forget that sometimes. And the biggest gift that we can give to our children is our time. And I'm no martyr. Like I'm, I'm certainly not going to say that I'm perfect at this because I'm, this, you know, like every other parent, I'll, I'll sort of sometimes go, hang on, hang on, I'm busy or in a minute, in a minute. But if we try to remember that overall, we can improve the, um, the amount of time we do spend with our kids if we're a little bit aware of the benefit of it. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to teach your kids how to play as well. Like I remember mm-hmm. with my oldest, she started showing an interest in Barbie dolls, moving away from babies, and I bought her or we bought her or she got for Christmas or something or other a Barbie house and a few Barbie dolls. And I was like, right then, off you go. And she just sat there looking at it like, well, what, what happens now? And it's like, mm-hmm. so I remember thinking, oh, this toy is really not a hit because I'm off trying to, you know, make dinner or do whatever. And she, she's just sitting there looking at it going, okay, so what, what happens now? So I remember sitting on the floor with her going, right, so the way we play with this is we get Barbie and we think of a scenario, maybe Barbie's going out for dinner. Oh, look. You know, here comes her friend in the car. She's come to pick her up. Oh, but Barbie's not dressed. Let's go find her some new shoes, whatever it was. And it's like once she got the idea, once I showed her how to play with the toy, Mm. she's like, oh, okay, now I get it. Right, see ya. And then it was (laughs) fun. But I think we forget that. It's like, right, here's the toy. Off yeah, you go. Off you go. Yeah, and it's it's not that it's not that simple. And you know, they love they they know she would have loved sitting with you while you did that um, with her as well. And Zoe was never into Barbie, and when you just said that, I'm thinking maybe it's because I didn't actually tell her what to do. I found some. I I loved Barbie when I was a kid, and I found some vintage '80s ones online, and I bought um, two two dolls and a box of clothes. And some of the clothes were the ones that I had when I was a kid. So I was just <gasps> don't tell me you got heaven. peaches and cream. Peaches and cream Barbie was my favourite. I had a peaches and cream Barbie. And I had the one with the, the red, she had a, like a red velvet bodice and then the skirt was, um, what was she? It was loving, loving, loving Hearts or Loving Hearts. And like the oh. skirt was this um, white tulle with little red velvet hearts all over it. Oh, gosh, I loved that. Zoe has since handed those on to someone else. And she was quite happy to do that because she was never overly attached to them. But for me, I was like, oh, but yeah, I had peaches, I had peaches and cream as well. Barbie. Oh, we, now we can get into 80s nostalgia and toys and like, we can just keep going forever. So let's get back yeah. to the topic. So I love this quote that you found, Tara. Don't raise your kids to have more than you had. Raise them to be more than you were. I think that's really inspiring. Yeah. Look, I don't, I think that's a Instagram quote that I've read somewhere. I don't, I don't have an author. I don't know who said that. But yeah, I'm sure I if we Google it, you could find it, yeah. We'll definitely pop it in our show notes for you. But it's that whole thing of we live in this time of abundance and like our parents raised us to, you know, have more than they had because, you know, when they grew up, times were tough. And so it's like we've been shown that the aim is to give your kids more than what you had, which growing up in the 80s, we had plenty. We had enough. And so now we're giving our kids more than enough. And I think to the detriment of their um, maturity, to their emotional understanding, uh, to their self-awareness, I think we've given them so much physical stuff that we're probably detracting from teaching them how to behave, how to self-regulate, how to show affection, all of those kind of things because... We, we're stuck on that time loop of give them more than you had, give them more than you had. So let's talk about some of the benefits of having less toys. We've already talked about a few. And one of the ones that I didn't mention before when we were talking about that, that German study, they also did a study, and I can't remember if it was the same or not, but we've got some links to articles anyway that, that people can sort of look at and read up on. But they've actually done studies trying to determine how toy levels affects addiction 
later in life or addiction tendencies to addiction later in life. So I find I found that one quite alarming. And I mean, we're not even going to get into screens today. This, we're not even going to talk about that. That's a whole other big discussion. But I think people are quite aware at the moment of the addiction qualities of screens. But this study was also looking at the addiction, um, addiction that can come from having too many toys. So I found that really quite interesting from my own, you know, from a parenting perspective as well. Well, so. like you've, we've mentioned before, the less you stimulate them or overstimulate them with an abundance of stuff, the more they have to use their imagination. And that's, a skill which they will need again and again. Mm. So the more you can encourage that and model that for them when they are struggling, you help them come up with, with their game, help them build the yeah. fort and, you know, protect themselves from the lava by putting the cushions around the floor. So you can use yeah. your imagination to help demonstrate to them how, how they can, they can use, this. Yeah. use it. Yeah. Having them use their imagination isn't just training them to have more imagination later in life. What it actually does is it, 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 for some, in some way, it, it wires the brain for a whole lot of other developmental advantages as well. So that's, you know, the imagination, it goes, yeah, well beyond just imagination by itself too. Yeah, I think the neural pathways that it helps develop are all the problem-solving aspects and those kind of things. Yeah. So and it's socialisation, yeah. Yeah, what seems like a, just a harmless game is mm. really wiring them for success later. I think one thing that's really good about having less toys too is that it makes your kids cooperate because if you have duplicates of everything, then um, kids don't have to share, they don't have to take turns, that kind of thing, yeah. either, either between siblings or with friends okay. that are over. Yeah. So, yeah, and that reduce... seems like a great advantage to kids not having to share because, I mean, my first thought is, oh, thank God they don't have to share because, you know, then there's no fights. But from yeah, a that's... developmental perspective, it's much better if they have to learn how to share for sure. Yeah, and you can you can manage that. You can, you know, yeah. set so oh, We always did. I had the timer. Yes, the timers were great. Yeah, I never used for cooking. I always just used for <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. She's on this for five minutes. She's got this toy for five minutes, and then the timer will go off, and then you swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I used the timer as well. I also used the timer for when I wanted to spend a bit of time with them because I knew that they needed me, but I was also busy, like at dinner time or something like that. So quite often what I used the timer for was I'd say, okay, let's sit down and I'll play with you for 10 minutes. And when the timer goes off, I'm going to run off and do a job for five minutes and then you keep playing and then I'm going to come back and we'll do another 10 minutes. And that really helped them also not follow me around when I left, worrying that I wasn't going to come back because I would honour my promise and I would come back and I used the timer for that a lot as well. Oh, that's really good. I like that. Where were you when my kids were little? I could use that. <laughs> Sorry. We should, um, we should have I, met way earlier, I'm sure. Yeah, that's it. Um, one thing of very obvious advantage to giving your kids less toys or having less toys is that it's cheaper. You don't have to buy as much. And, you know, if you think about the money that you could save on toys and put that towards, you know, a family day out or, yeah, you know, some kind of special experience or, mm. or invest it for their, you know, study yeah. one day or, or their first car or something like that if you thought about all of the toys that came home got played with for five minutes and then mm. never got played with again and then the compound interest on that oh that just excites me 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I sort of like at now and with our kids that are older, we've made all of the mistakes, you know. And so I, I really want to get hold of these these people with babies and say, "Let me tell you how to do it. <laughs> you yeah. can save yourself so much money and stress. Learn and from my mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe those that are listening to us have babies and they can um they can sort of learn from yeah learn from our mistakes. Yeah, and when when the compound interest builds up from all the toy money you didn't spend we'd be quite happy to take our cut of that for the financial <laughs> advice we gave you definitely uh, and so we don't just save money as well but we save space and the less toys you've got the less stuff you have to deal with the less cleaning up there is to do the less maintenance on toys the less amount of money you have to spend on storage solutions all of that kind of stuff and space-related stuff is, is a lot more, a lot less of a burden. I, we, so we moved to the UK when our girls were uh, almost four and two and we were limited by the amount of stuff we could take. So we didn't take a lot of their toys. We took quite a few books and, you know, their favourite teddies and dolls, but not. we probably left 50% home. And... We got to the UK and the house that we were living in was significantly smaller than the house we came from. And we realised we didn't, there was no space in that house for a toy room, but we realised we didn't even need a toy room Yay. because they didn't have that many toys. And they, so their bedroom, and they shared a bedroom, became their toy room as well. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I can live. Like we could, have, we could have a house with one less bedroom just because, and the kids were fine. They didn't, hmm. the nice part was we got home you know, four years later and the kids went through the boxes of the toys that had been in storage and had no attachment to any of it. So it all just went straight to charity. But um, it was kind of like a bit of a time capsule from when they were little. And, um, yeah, but it was amazing how being forced to downsize. I, like we got to this house and I was like, we're never going to fit in here. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't have as much stuff. And it's yeah. amazing. And we survived. Kids survived. It's yeah. great. Yeah, well, this is the thing, you know, we, we've never had, a, um, we don't have enough, a big enough house for a toy room. We only have three bedrooms in our house and uh, we have the family room. And so we had lots of toys, well, not lots, but we had a few toys in the family room because that's where they played and not many in their bedrooms. And then as they grew older, it migrated into the bedrooms and it became, you know, a lot easier to manage. But we never had a lot of toys. I've kind of been doing this right from the start. Um, I've been that parent who has said no in Kmart uh, or at the toy store very frequently um, and I've said no a lot. So we never really, we've never really had a toy clutter problem in our house but I could see how it would be easy to get, you know, into that situation uh, because even though, even if you don't buy your kids a lot of stuff, other people do as well and so things seem to come into the house whether you want it or not sometimes. One other benefit that I found is, uh, from my kids is appreciation because they've never gotten a lot of staff they have always been really appreciative of what they have received and I do have had parents say to me before you know like on Christmas morning the kids just tear through all these presents and then they look up and go are there any more is that all and they haven't even looked at the presents that they've received barely looked at the ones that they've received and I just find that the more they have the less grateful they are and we could go into all these stories about kids who live in third world countries and how grateful they are for the things that they have and then our kids who have so much more tend to not be so grateful but that's again a, a bigger a bigger issue but I just I think you know 
having less stuff makes you cherish the things that you have more you look after them better and uh, you appreciate them them more as well yeah one thing we used to do our kids used to we still do get quite a lot of stuff from friends and family as well we've got you know a pretty sizable family so there's always seems to be things coming in but especially around Christmases and birthdays we like spread it out I really ration it like Mm. (laughs) so you know maybe two days before their birthday they might get to if a parcel's arrived they might get to open one thing or one small thing or a card that I know has got you know five dollars from Nana in it and then they really care about that five dollars because that's the only thing they've They've got got. and then you know because I remember one Christmas the girls opened like a jigsaw puzzle or something that at any other day of the year, they would have loved, but because it was sitting right next to some yeah. big boy, like a bike or something, the jigsaw puzzle was just thrown to the it's side. I was like, well, yeah. okay, stop, time <laughs> out. No, no more presents now. Let's go and build this puzzle. Yeah. And it's so then we kind of learned that we do, you know, for Christmas, we still do a couple Christmas Eve, maybe one on Christmas morning, one during the day, one at night, one boxing day, you kind of spread it out. And then because even if they open a book, which in itself might initially not seem like the most exciting mm. present, they cherish it because that's it's all, all they've, they've got for the next They're few not hours. distracted. Yeah. 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 That's a good strategy. I like that. So this concludes part one of the podcast and we'll finish up next week talking about the rest of the aspects of raising uncluttered kids and we hope to see you then bye so thanks for joining us if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast please leave a review or a rating and tell all of your friends about us if they too would like to be uncluttered if you'd like to connect with us you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via facebook and instagram or on our personal pages at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com